we are going to start a new sermon series in a couple weeks, and uh, we were actually going to start this week, but uh, I was at my office praying and thinking and considering, and I realized that this is like the last Sunday before summer really kicks in. Uh, the high school got out on Friday, uh, elementary schools get out uh, this coming Friday. I'm not sure why they keep the younger ones longer. I'm pretty sure teachers want the opposite. Like, the younger you are, the more they Anyways, um, they get out next week, and uh, summer in Powell River is usually pretty transient. We're coming, we're going, we're camping, doing different things. And uh, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to leave you guys with just a message, kind of like the end of a letter that you would have in a New Testament letter. Kind of a, a charge for the summer, uh, if you will, or a challenge for the summer. And, and so uh, a lot of you guys have heard me say things like, our, our beliefs shape our actions, right? It's not kind of the first thing time you've heard that, me say that. But uh, actions actually highlight what we believe. And uh, even though it sounds like the same thing, I, I want us to hear that, that our actions actually highlight what we believe. Because we can say we believe things, we can say it, say it to people, say amen here, or all that kind of stuff, say Sam, good word, I agree with it. But our actions actually reflect our true beliefs. And our actions are probably a really a way better indicator of what we really believe. And sometimes it takes time to transition from a thought in our head to, to our heart. And uh, it's those actions that I really want to focus on. Now, has anyone ever experienced drinking coffee with a broken filter? Right? <laughs> Right or or I know like you know we're talking about camping seasons. People talk about camp coffee. Oh yeah, you drink that coffee through your teeth, and your teeth are the filter. It's fine, Sam. No, it's gross. All right. <laughs> no one wants to drink coffee grounds, and and it's the same thing when it comes to our beliefs. We need a filter, and, and, and the Bible provides that filter, and, and and Jesus demonstrated that filter. Uh, when he began to highlight the character and the nature of God, and, and so the filter that that where we, we, we filter things through, and the filter I encourage you to filter things through is kind of threefold. First of all, it's, it's God is good, right? That's the first filter. And I understand it's not everything is good, but God by his very nature is good. Filter number one. Two, a God is full of grace. He is full, absolutely full of grace for us. He has grace for us. Now, grace, you probably heard grace defined as, as un merited favor. Uh, probably an even better definition of grace is an unearned favor, because even that word merit makes it feel like it's something that we've earned. It's really important to understand that grace is an unearned favor. So God is good. He is full of this unearned favor for us. That's what he gives us. And, and his attitude towards us is always love. And we've continued to hear this message this morning of, of love acceptance. And that's the filter that we need to filter our beliefs through. And when we don't, and when there's a little bit of a hole in our filter, it's like we're drinking coffee grounds. Uh, it might taste good in the beginning, but there's something not quite right. right? What's that thing in my teeth? That, you shouldn't have that thing in your teeth when it comes to your beliefs. Uh, when we practically apply this filter to our life in the areas where we actually fall short, if our belief is that when we fall short of God's standards, when we sin, that we are actually separated from God, then it reflects in our actions. Uh, um, 
the idea of we begin to pull away. We begin to pull away from people. We begin to pull away from our relationship with God. Uh, we begin to uh, 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 um, pull away from our, our, our ones that we love. We tend to give up. We feel kind of dead. I, I kind of call it a, a spiritual bipolar. And I think if you've been part of this family long enough, I think you would hear this message that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And this morning's charge is one that would transition that idea from here to here. And so my prayer all week is like, God, I just want them to understand this. If there's one thing that we leave with, it's this, that we cannot, as believers, the minute we believe in Jesus, can we ever be separated from God? God has already done everything needed to close that gap. And we are not separated from God. But again, our beliefs shape our actions. They demonstrate what we really believe. And, that, and that's what I want to challenge us this morning. We're, we're going to do a series in Romans, and that's kind of what spurred this. Romans 3 uh, says this in verse 22. That we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. And so if we look at this verse there's some really clear things that Paul says as he's teaching uh, 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 us. That first, we are made right by placing our faith in God, not our actions. Again, church, hear me. We are made right by putting our faith in God, not in our ability to live the right way, which is in itself kind of a challenging message. And, 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 and I like to think of that word faith like good footing. Uh, have you ever uh, uh, hiked any sort of elevation? You know that when you're going down, it's kind of the scariest part. Up is like pretty hard, but down is probably the hardest part on your body. And one of the things you do when you walk down is you make sure that when you place your foot, that, that gravel or that rock that you're on is, is sure. Because if it's not and you slip, uh, you go down. And it's the same thing with our beliefs. This is the footing that I, when I place my trust in what God has done for me versus when, what I can do with God, that is good footing. Does that kind of make sense? Second of all, we all fall short of God's standard. That's the word sin. And, and if you've see, been around long enough, you would have heard me give this description. So when the English translator took the Greek word for sin, or the Aramaic word for sin, they related it to something that was relatable to them, and that was archery, right? It was translated in the, in the 16th century. And, and, and the archery terms, when you shoot your arrow and you miss the bullseye, you sin. That's the yell, sin, you've missed the mark. And all of us miss this bullseye. We, we, we all miss God's standard. And it's important to understand that that's what that word means. And so when, when we sin, we fall short of God's standard. And God's standard for us, if we have a proper filter, is love and favor and his goodness. That's his standard. And we, we kind of fall short of hitting 
that mark. And if you uh, are familiar with any sort of Latin language, uh, the word sin means without. Uh, um, so, for instance, for instance, if I'm in, in, in Mexico, this is for free here, and you want to order a coffee without milk, you'd say, café sin leche, or sin leche. And, and, and the, the biblical definition of sin is withholding your share of God's favor and goodness. So God gives his favor, and we miss that standard, and we withhold ourselves from his favor. Nowhere in the word was it the other way around, where God withholds his favor from us. It's we withhold our share in God's favor. That's that word, and we all do it. Yet here is the third part that's really important. God makes us right. He restores what we have separated ourselves from. Where we have missed the mark, God has already restored it so that we can shoot again and hit his standard. And, and, and somewhere along kind of the evolution of church, we have done a really, really good job of highlighting how short we fall and maybe not as good of a job highlighting that God makes up that standard, that God makes us right. So this morning, the minute we believe, no matter where we are in our journey, God has made us right with him. We are not separated from God's love. And when we have a tendency to act in general, this is just generally speaking, we have a tendency to act like sin or falling short is instant separation and punishment from God. We're kind of waiting for the moment where, where, where God lays down the hammer and says, you have fallen short, right? And maybe... In our minds, this is not what we believe. But our actions reflect people waiting to be punished by God. And it reflects in our relationship with God. And maybe you're like me, but when I am falling short and I'm aware that I'm falling short of what God wants for me, that I begin to pull away from relationship with Him. It's never God pulling away from me. It's me and my shame thinking, I am not worthy for this relationship. And, and now hear me. Uh, um, when we talk about God's standard. God's standard isn't a yes and no thing. It's not a black and white thing. Because the bullseye is that we would walk in the fullness of heaven here on earth. All that Jesus died for. All that he rose again for. That we would realize all of it. All of his favor. All of his goodness. And grace actually raises that standard. See, Jesus began to demonstrate grace, and I communicated this before. But black and white says, you know, if you commit adultery, if you commit murder, and we have this, how far can I go before I cross the line? Where when God views our life, it's not about did you cross the line or not, but it is how you're living holding you back from the fullness of the favor that I have made available to you. That's the standard. And when we fall short of that, it isn't designed to create shame or separation. Instead, it's actually designed to draw us closer into relationship with him. In fact, this is what, uh, how Paul describes it in Romans. And this is uh, the quote, that, the verse that Brock read. And this is what he says in Romans 8. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the next verse then says, 
you can flip it there. I'm reading it from the screen here with you. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I, I will continue to drill this till it transitions from here to here. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And anything short of this belief demonstrated in our actions is like saying our sin is more powerful than Christ's blood. That our sin is more powerful than the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross. That our sin is more powerful than Jesus being raised from the dead. Anything short of this belief that nothing can separate me from the love of God is selling short the work of Jesus Christ. So why then do we need to change? Then why do we need to talk about falling short of God's standard? And it, it, it's important that if this is the question that we're asking in our journey, in our discovery with God, then we're going in the right direction. Does that kind of make sense? This is actually an appropriate question to ask. It's, it's, it's answered throughout the New Testament, throughout the gospel letters. It's important to understand that sin does have a result. Falling short has a result. It's just that that result isn't God separating from us. That result is not God withholding love, favor, all that from us. That's not the result. But sin does have a result. Falling short does have a result. And the first result is, is, is even though sin doesn't affect God's view of us, it does affect our view of ourselves, and it affects the people around us. Sin absolutely has a result in your life. And falling short absolutely has a result. Yet God made a solution through grace that's realized through our belief. The Bible teaches in, in, in Romans 6, and we'll see it, and this is sometimes the part that I think can, can be a, a, a hang-up, that, that we, we have died. The old man is dead. The sinful nature is, is been crucified with, with Christ on that cross. That's, that's Romans 6. And that we put to death that old nature with Jesus Christ. That, that, that old man, that sin nature is dead. That we're no longer in bondage to sin, uh, to bondage to what sin produces. And that's Romans 6, uh, I think around 14. But it doesn't mean that our, and that, that sinful nature that sometimes gets referred to as flesh. Has anyone heard that in, in the Bible? Right, not Bible, just in, in church. You know, die to your flesh. That, that's that flesh, that sin nature. It doesn't mean that that sin nature is gone. It's that the, the, the sins are paid for. The very thing that separates us from God is paid for. But we still have this nature. We're still walking around in a broken world. And we're still flesh. We're still, we're still fallen. We're just not 
separated from God. So the good news is that we have been given a new spirit. That we have been born again by grace, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's good news. That is very, very good news. That we can walk in the fullness of God's favor, his goodness, the prayer that Jesus prayed, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, can be realized because Jesus died and he rose again. And to everyone who believes, released to us is the kingdom of heaven, his favor, his spirit. That is the good news. The bad news is we still live in a fallen nature. And these two parts fight against each other. They do. And has anyone ever made the decision to live a healthier lifestyle? I am going to, it usually happens in the evening, right? For me, uh, uh, after I've eaten the bag of chips, about an hour later, laying my head down, you know what? Tomorrow is going to be the day. I, I literally said this two days ago. I actually, I, I dehydrated to the point where like I, I felt really, really sick because I had like eight cups of coffee and no water, right? And I remember saying that night, I put my head down. I'm like, I'm never going to go there again, yeah, right? Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm drinking water. And I'm good at drinking water, but tomorrow I'm going to do it. And, and literally by 10 o'clock, I was at my fourth cup of coffee. And it's like, what? It's like, <laughs> I know, right? And it's the two natures. I know what I want to do. Yeah, go ahead. Grab the mic, though. So you... Are you... No, I just thought I'd interrupt while he was laughing, and I'm trying not to derail the whole message, but I felt like God shared something with me, and I was like, oh, God, I am not saying that out loud. But then I felt like he knew I would, and so I am. Um, I felt like... God wanted me to tell someone here or watching that even, I really I do not want it, even while you're masturbating, God loves you. Um, and I believe that God wants deliverance for you. I'm claiming that word from Austin. But to be delivered, you need to know God loves you. He loves you. He sees you and still loves you. And so... Even while you drink eight cups of coffee and can't get, your, can't get your act together, God loves you. So this one's on the other end of that scale. And I just wanted you to know God loves you. So that's Yeah. That's exactly true. That's, that's the message. <laughs> really. This is um, how Paul lays it out in Galatians 5. Uh, it starts in verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Paul's communicating here is, we are free. The minute we believe, the Bible says there's no judgment for believers. It's a hard one. Because like, what? How does that work? We are free. We are free. Nothing can separate us from God's Love. We are free from, Paul's using the word slavery from the law. This idea of the law taught us that the minute we fall, the minute we sin, that we are separated from God. And Paul's like, you're free from that. That's not the issue anymore. But then this is what Paul says in verse 13. 
For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now, this statement isn't, uh, you are no good. You are sinful. You are in, in, in wretched, sinful person. Has anyone, like, literally, this is, maybe it's just me, but these are the words that run through my mind the minute that I have fallen short of what I know that God wants me to do. I am sinful. I am wretched. That God would love a wretched man like me. You know, I start quoting the old hymns. Instead, this is essentially what Paul is saying. Look, you are too good to stay where you are. I'm calling you up. God has already given us everything we need to walk in the fullness of his favor and his goodness. Now, this is the message that Peter had in his letter. You, God has given you everything you need. You are too good to stay where you are. You are worth too much to continuously withhold yourself from my favor and my goodness. But part of our nature craves Sin, And this is then what Paul says in, in verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. See, part of our nature that we need to understand longs for our fallen condition. Just like I long for coffee when I know my body desires water. I long for that bag of chips when my body... I'm using joke references, but, but hear me. Sometimes as Christians, we can go to the opposite direction. When we think we are impervious to, impervious to the actual desires and temptations of this world. And we're not. Our body craves it. But I want us to see how Paul words this. Because it's a change in the way of thinking. See, if you grew up like, like I grew up, my focus was, what can I do to not fall short of God's standard? What are the things I, I don't do? How do I not sin? And it became kind of like, don't, don't, don't do this. But this is what Paul focuses on. If you look at verse 16, it starts with this sentence. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, the focus is not don't do these things. The focus is live by the Spirit. Or in other words, the focus is Stay in relationship with me. Listen, it is no coincidence that a natural result of falling short in sin in our lives is that we pull away from relationship with God. It is no coincidence because the only hope we have of walking in the fullness of what Jesus has made available to us through his death and his resurrection is in relationship. And it's not about what you do, it's about who you choose to be with. Because you become like what you surround yourself with. And when we separate from our source of hope, we are giving 
uh, uh, sin the victory. Does that make sense? The focus is not don't do. The focus is stay in relationship. Just like Katie said, even in the middle of your masturbation, God loves you. Do not separate relationship. You see, we need to transition in our minds and in our hearts that we are not defined by our sin, but we are defined by who God says we are. And until we understand that here, we can't change the outside. We, by our own will, cannot stop sinning. The Bible says that the law was there, the yes and no, the black and white was there to show our need for our Savior, our need for this relationship with God. Because separate from God, we can't do this. And so hear me, church, grace does not make it impossible to sin, but what it does do is it makes it possible not to because it restores relationship. And now, to every believer here this morning, we can walk in the fullness of life because we have relationship with God. And that relationship with God is never in question. Sin's result, this is later on in Galatians, sin's result is literal, spiritual, and physical death. It is destruction. And, and, and I'm telling you that even though sin doesn't separate me from God, sin has a 100% effect on my marriage, on my relationship with my kids, on my ability to dad. Is that a word? To dad? A verb? <laughs> Making it a verb. My ability to have relationship my ability to thrive. It has an effect. Yet God has made a way. And then right after that, Paul says in Galatians 5, this is where we get the fruit of the Spirit. But the result of a relationship with God is this fruit that is life. But the key is relationship. So if I can leave you with something this summer, wherever summer takes you, do not sacrifice relationship for guilt. Do not sacrifice relationship for shame. Why am I saying this? Because there are some incredibly real things that we are walking through. And it's not like I know your lives. It's just that, you know what? Sin is not that unique. So even in probably in our body, I can guarantee you we're probably dealing with alcoholism, probably body image stuff, uh, pornography, probably dealing with envy, probably dealing with unforgiveness. I mean... It's sad, but the, the list is kind of endless. And maybe you're hearing stuff like this, and you were like me. Sam, I've tried, and it's just too hard. I just can't do it. And maybe you've had, like, small victories where 
Maybe you've gone three weeks without, you know, viewing any porn. Or maybe you've done, you know, a week with no alcohol. And it's just like, yeah, I've tried and it's just this, I can't handle failing again. Is there nothing more frustrating than the shame of failing again? When you said, this is going to be it. This morning, church, grace has empowered us to change. It's made it possible. It's made it possible because grace has ensured that our relationship is continuously restored. Sin does not separate us from God. It doesn't change God. It doesn't change his view of us. And it doesn't change who we are. All that is taken care of the minute we say, Jesus, I believe in you. It doesn't change those things. So this summer, can I encourage us to do this a little differently? You are loved, you are accepted, and you're worthy of this. Yes. This morning, I want us to be incredibly aware of the area that we fall short in. Plural. It, like the real stuff. All of it's real. But like, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Let's be really, really aware that this summer is going to be the summer where I overcome my pornography addiction. I overcome my alcohol addiction. And, and what I say by my over, I overcome is that now in the midst of the sin... I am choosing not to let go of relationship with God. This is how we're going to do it differently. Where right after we sin, we get this moment where we say, God, I am useless. I am not worthy. I am a wretched sinner. Where we say all the Christian words that makes us sound kind of holy and we separate relationship with him, we don't. But instead, we begin to declare things over our lives. Even in the middle of our drinking, I am accepted by God. I am made his son. I am his daughter. I am made right with him. God loves me in the middle of this. And like, I'm actually not even kind of kidding. Literally, in the middle of it. Maybe again, like Katie's word. And honestly, if you know my wife, that's a big thing for her to say. But even in, in the middle of our struggle with pornography, God, you love me. I am, this is, the Bible actually calls us saints. Begin declaring your identity, who you are. Because your identity is not what you do, but it's who you are. Who God has made you to be. And this is how This is just, this is what I want to leave you with this summer. Um, we are not separated from God's love. But we have allowed sin to, uh, to uh, we have allowed sin to rob us of the favor that God wants us to walk in. We have allowed sin to rob us in our marriage. We have allowed sin to rob us uh, in our relationships. And mostly we've allowed sin to rob our relationship with God. And if you're with me this morning, that's what ends today. 
that, you know, even when, you know, we most likely will fall short again. What we won't do is separate from God. Let's pray. And just guys stand with me. And uh, first of all, this all begins with Jesus Christ. This is why we say that Jesus is the way to this, because he made this possible through his death and his resurrection. So this morning, I want to invite you to believe in Jesus with me. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to pray, and I invite everyone to pray with me, and I just invite you to believe with me. Uh, um, that's all it takes. Uh, second of all, yeah, you can come up, Austin. And second of all, um, this morning, I just, this is for each and every one of us. Not a single believer in here uh, is immune to the sinful nature. And so I want to pray uh, for restored relationship with God. And, and this is what I'm actually believing, that uh, what we used to do daily will become rarely. Yes. And that's the word I got uh, on Thursday. And I immediately thought of you, Kathy, because it rhymes. Uh, what we used to do daily, we will see rarely, we'll do rarely. And so this is what I'm declaring over each and every one of us as we receive this. So first of all, I pray this with me. If you have never made a decision to believe Jesus, this is your invitation to do that. And it's not that hard. Just, Jesus, I believe in you. And, and I invite you into my life. So when we're actually saying this, what we're doing is we're inviting his spirit in us. So when Paul says, live by the spirit, we, Jesus, we invite your spirit in our lives. Begin to direct our steps. Holy Spirit, I, I pray for all of us. And, and declare for each and every one of us. That, God, while you, you never break relationship with us, God, we will not break relationship with you. Father, we will stay plugged in. We will stay plugged in. Plugged in. Father, we lay down uh, uh, um, our sin and, and we name it. We're not ashamed of it. It's just what we're doing. From pornography to alcoholism to lying to envy to greed to unforgiveness. God, you know the areas where we fall short of the life that you have designed for us. We lay it down, Father. We lay it down for relationship. And, and, and we plug into you. And we declare, and I declare over each and every one of us that what we have done daily, we will now do rarely. Father, I pray that you seal our relationship by your Holy Spirit. The lie of our enemy is that we are not worthy of relationship. We're not worthy of connection. That we're not worthy of worship. And we cast that, we bind that in the name of Jesus. And instead we release uh, um, our identity as sons and daughters of God. We begin to declare that we are favored by God. That we walk in your goodness. We walk under your anointing. We walk with your favor, that your spirit and your presence is forever in us, working through us, pouring out of us, God. Would you continue to fill us as we continue to lean into relationship, Father? We are declaring a release of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, 
faithfulness, self-control, that every aspect of your spirit and your nature would begin to begin pour out of our relationship, God, where we have lived out a life that looks like we're separated from your from your love, we cast that down in the name of Jesus. We break it and we declare that nothing can separate your love from us. So this morning, we will live like loved ones. We will live like those connected to the Holy Spirit. We will live like an empowered church that walks in the fullness of your grace, the fullness of your power. Sin, where is your sting? You have no hold on any of us. So this morning, we walk in your freedom, God. And in doing so, we will pour your love out to others. Because this is your will. We declare this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning, I invite you to stay in his presence. For some of us, we need to reconnect. And this is a a great place to do it. So Austin's going to play a bit. We're going to sing a bit. The altars are open. Uh, um, This morning, I'm actually not going to pray for you. Not that I don't want to, but uh, um, God is here. You're worthy of that connection, and he wants to meet with you. And so I want to open this altar for you to reconnect with God. You don't need an altar to do that, but rather it's a positioning of it. So where I say, God, you're here, and here I am. Um, (laughs) Please go in the knowledge of a God who does not leave you. So don't leave him this morning.